If you would uh, turn in your Bibles to James chapter 2. This morning's uh, message is going to come directly from the Scriptures, from uh, verses 14 through 26. We'll have some connection to some other passages of Scripture as well. Um, And as usual, we will begin by reading the text of the passage. Then we'll make some uh, applications and observations as we go along. And uh, first of all, let us begin with prayer this morning. Father God, our desire is to be a people who are moved by your word and faith. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, we desire to make evident progress in our trust in Jesus Christ and the transforming work of his resurrection. May the soil of our hearts be fertile ground this morning upon which your word lands And Lord, may your grace empower us to do what it is that your word says. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So James chapter 2, we'll just jump right in and begin in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, Be warmed and filled without giving the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. This is the inherent, infallible, inspired, authoritative word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. So the question this morning is, but does it work? But does it work? This is the question everyone should ask, like when you're going out to, say, uh, buy a, a used car. The seller might come and tell you that there's brand new tires on here, that the uh, interior is clean, they open the hood and they show you some spotless engine. But the big question is, but does it work? Does it do what it is designed to do? Will it get me to work every day? Show me that it works. Assure me that it can genuinely be relied upon. I need evidence that I may know that it can be trusted. I need to see it at work, don't I, when I'm buying a used car? You want to see that it works. Well, James here addresses these Jewish believers, and he's telling them that tests are going to come, and that these tests do indeed produce something in you. They produce genuine faith. But these tests that come... Uh, with it as as it is with any test we want to ask ourselves don't we when the after the test has passed is and when i say passed i mean p a s s e d when the test has been passed then we want to know did we pass the test 
is, is there any evidence that uh, there's genuine faith having been produced through these trials? Has my faith proven out to be genuine? And so as we have studied the book of James so far, we see that we're, we've asked some questions like, has my faith proven out to be genuine? Where do I go for wisdom when these trials come? Am I looking to the world's wisdom or have I pressed in in prayer and went to the source of wisdom? We might ask ourselves, how did I, how do I respond to the word of God preached as we saw from James uh, 1 19 through 26 and ask ourselves this, am I a hearer only or is my faith evident? Not only do I hear the word, but do I respond both in my own words and in deed to the word of God? When I look to the cross of Jesus and I find mercy, then I ask myself this question in this time of testing. Do I show partiality or am I merciful to all? As we saw last week from chapter uh, 2 verses 1 through 13. So I'm going to pose this to us this morning that everyone has faith. Everyone has faith. Every truth claim is a system of faith. But I want to pose this to you this morning too, that there is a vast difference between faith and a faith that saves. There's vast difference between faith and saving faith. So I'll ask us this, to ponder this in our hearts and in our minds this morning. Do you have saving faith? If you say yes... My follow-up question to that, if you say, yes, I do have saving faith, is does it work? Does that faith work? Is it alive? Is it indeed working? Is there tangible evidence of that faith? If the answer to that question is no, you have faith indeed, but you do not have a saving faith. So I might say that this message this morning is part three of three parts about the same thing that we've been looking at, and that is that behavior matters. Our behavior matters. So this is kind of the third installment, that if you have this claim to faith, but it's not evidently at work, your faith is incomplete, it's useless, it's unjustified, and it's dead. I want to say that again because this is not me saying it. This is what James says in this passage. He says that if you claim to have faith, but it is not evidently at work, your faith is incomplete, unjustified, useless, and dead. That's quite a bold claim, isn't it? Well, James begins this section with a very pointed question. Let's look at verse 14 more closely. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works. Can that faith save him? That's a very pointed question, right? James begins this section with that question. Is claiming to have faith in Jesus, I'm rephrasing his question, by the way, <laughs> is claiming to have faith in Jesus with no apparent evidence saving faith? If faith is not at work in the claimant's life, is that claim any good? Is the faith you claim living? Does your living confirm or deny your confession? Does your living confirm or deny your claim to be in Christ? And ultimately the question is, does your 
claim work. Peter and Paul proclaim that faith is lived. Both apostles, apostles proclaim that faith is lived. It is to be lived. From Peter 1, uh, 3-7, through 7, it says, 1 Peter 1 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Paul, in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Saving faith is more than a claim. Saving faith, it is a faith that is living. It is a faith that has a working, living hope. Saving faith is faith that is at work through sacrificial living, right? Well, for example, verse 15, if a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? These are two like bold questions. Do you have saving faith? Is it any good? Is it at work? Is this any good? Is your claim any good? If you have claimed to love, be loved of God, and you offer only words, and you withhold works of love, is that saving faith? It's kind of James' question. I want to repeat that again. If you claim to be loved by God, but you only offer words and withhold works of love, is that saving faith? Does it do any good? If you claim to have received mercy from God and only offer a kind word, but you withhold acts of mercy, is that saving faith? Is it a faith that is any good? Is it a sacrificial faith that gives hope to the hopeless? Or is it merely just a confessed faith? Go be warm. Jesus loves you. And that's the end of it. That's a, that's a confession. But it's not really a living faith, is it? It's not one who's marked by the love of God in you or the mercy of God towards you, as we talked last week when you go to the cross. And what do you see? But you see mercy triumphing over judgment for you, a sinner. That, then, is the way that we live, right? Because of the mercy shown to us, we become merciful. Because of the love of God, we become lovers of people. But it is has to be at work. It can't just be confessed and then no action, no feet put to this. Well, is it any good? And then James answers his own question here in verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. It is faith, but it's not a saving faith. It's faith, but it's not a living faith. It is faith, but it does you nor anyone else any good. Because guess what? 
it does not work. You can't prove that that faith is at work. It doesn't work. It's like having the used car and you don't know whether it works or not. You just think it looks pretty. But does it work? That's the question. And don't you think that the world wants to know that? The, the people that we are witnessing uh, the, the, the gospel message to? Their question would be, does it work? You make this claim, but is, is that faith really at work? What evidence do we have that our faith is really at work in us? It's dead. One should not suppose that they've been born again to a living hope if their faith is merely words. If they're just words without any action to them, without anything behind them, without any evidence, we should not suppose that we've been born again. Because where is our new hope? We say we've been born again to a new life. We say that we've been empowered by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that same power that is working in, that worked in Jesus being raised from the dead is at work in us. That's our claim, isn't it? When we proclaim the gospel, we're saying that, that the power of God is at work in us. That we've been transformed. That we're, we're, we, we live in a, in a new hope. We live in a new way. We live, uh, with new love, with new affections. Is there any evidence of that? And this morning you could be thinking, Jeff, well, time and time again, you've stood up here and you said that salvation comes by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And here you are this morning seeming to, to uh, confront your own claim, saying that saving faith comes by works and not through faith alone. Or that somehow Paul is in, in stark opposition to James and they're squared off against each other. Because we remember that Paul says that we are under grace and not under the works of the law. As Romans 3, 19 through 20 says, uh, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But I want to pose this to you, that Paul and James are not faced off against each other, but they are actually standing back to back. And they are confronting two different issues. Paul has been confronting legalism. And James, in our passage, is confronting this. And this is the bigger threat. This is the bigger threat to the church today. It's everywhere. It's almost in every congregation. This is what James is confronting. He's confronting easy believism. This is what James is confronting here. And listen. Paul agrees with James that saving faith is proved genuine in that it is at work in the believer's life. In Romans chapter 2, verses 6 through 10, he says, He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by, patient, uh, by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking do not obey the truth, but obey in righteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek. And then he continues in verses 13 through 16 where it definitely gets more pointed from uh, Paul, and this is an agreement with James. Verse 13 says, For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, 
and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. See, faith that is at work is not legalistic. Faith that is at work is saving faith. Saving faith is more than a confession. It is to be lived. It is to be working. Why do we gather, brothers and sisters? Do we gather on the Lord's Day just to merely share the same confession and to sing songs that we can assure ourselves that we have saving faith because we're saying the right words to one another and we are singing the right words together? Do we gather for that alone? Well, is, is, is our gathering uh, and our confessions of faith to assure us of what faith is and what saving faith is, is it that, but is it also that and a little bit more? I think it's that and more. And the writer of Hebrews tells us clearly in chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, he says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And this is faith is supposed to be at work, right? And when we think about uh, we can get really tied into this idea of orthodoxy. What is right doctrine? And saving faith is orthodoxy. Saving faith is right doctrine. But it is also not sitting by itself. To know if you have saving faith, there's right doctrine, and then there's orthopraxy, which is right practice. There's right doctrine rightly practiced. That is saving faith. It is the work of God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, yes. But it is the work of God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ working itself out in and through the lives of those who've made a confession of faith. See, it's not legalism at all, is it? But it isn't easy. It isn't easy. It's not meant to be easy. There's no just way that you can just have at one time when you were a young kid, made a confession of faith somewhere, walked down an aisle and said, I sign, I'm going to sign a card that says that I believe this and therefore I have got my fire insurance. That is not saving faith, brothers and sisters. It is not. And we have often in our churches given people a, an assurance of faith way too soon, isn't it? Because James here is saying faith should be at work. There should be some evidence that this transformation is taking place. I'm not asking you guys and saying that we are going to be walking perfectly in this life and in perfect obedience to Christ. None of us are. But there should be some definite progress, shouldn't there? There should be that I was once this, and now my aim is to be that. I once was lost, but now I have been found. Is there some evidence that we have been found? Well, let us... And move forward uh, to verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Saving faith is more than intellectual content, isn't it? You can know that God is the one true and right creator, ruler, and judge. You can give mental assent to the truth of man's separation from God by sin, you can acknowledge the historical fact of Jesus' birth, resurrection, and His death. You can acknowledge all of those things. Those are all components 
of what it means to understand the gospel intellectually, right? You can acknowledge the historical fact of Jesus' birth and death. You can understand that sin separates man from God. You can have mental assent to that and that God is the one true and right judge. You can acknowledge all of those things and yet not have saving faith. You can acknowledge all of those things to be true and yet not have saving faith. The demonic forces understand God and they understand His severity, James says. That's what he's saying here. The, the demons understand who God is and they understand His severity. And yet, the demons do not have a saving faith. This knowledge has not been manifest in its in righteous deeds. It has not been worked out. It, it just doesn't work. It just is not at work. Faith apart from works is merely intellectual knowledge of the truth. Saving faith is a faith that shows. Saving faith is living and it works. The sign that faith has gone from mere mental assent is a faith that is demonstrated by works that are fitting with repentance. Right? Remember when John the Baptist was baptizing people for the remission of sin and along come some presumptuous Pharisees and some Sadducees and they were thinking that a mere acknowledgement of God or that their birthright gave them saving faith? We want to listen to what John the Baptist's words are in Matthew chapter 3. Verse 7, it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our fathers, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Remember that James says, I will show you my faith by my works. And he asks, do you need to be shown that faith without works is unfruitful? That it is not befitting of repentance and faith? That it is useless and that it demonstrates that your trust has been placed not uh, firmly in the Lord Jesus Christ, that faith that is placed firmly in the Lord Jesus Christ is, is faith that is placed or claimed in the Lord Jesus Christ is absolutely useless unless it is at work. It is foolishness, my Jewish brothers, he says. It is foolishness, my Jewish brothers, to have a faith that has no evidence. It's foolishness to have a faith that has no works, that is fruitless. He says, let me show you by Abraham's example. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that apart from works, that apart from faith, works, uh, faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. Abraham displayed a trust in God, didn't he? He showed that his faith was at work when he was willing to trust God with the life of his son. His faith was active, his faith was living, and his faith was demonstrably hopeful. God will surely send a sacrifice. I'm just going to obey and trust 
in the Lord, right? He was demonstrably hopeful. Abraham's active faith justified him. Does your faith show trust in God? I ask this for us this morning when we are low on funds and yet there's a need that comes our way. Do we fill it anyway, trusting that God will give us all of our needs according to His riches and glory? Do we trust that God has abundant treasures? Or do we trust that there are finite, scarce resources in this life and I'm trusting in those? Or do I trust that my God has all that is needed? and that He will provide all that is needed according to His rich riches and glory. Is your faith active? Does it work? Does it show? I want to look at a couple parallel passages from the Sermon on the Mount concerning a faith that is to be seen. First, let's look at Matthew, if you flip there with me to Matthew chapter 5. I just want to read verses uh, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it, it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven." Jesus says that we're to demonstrate, we are to show that we are in God by penetrating the earth as our faith is at work in us and through us. That we are a light that penetrates a dark world. That through our good works, we demonstrate that our faith is a saving faith. That we have a faith that testifies to the mercy and to the glory of God. John tells us in chapter 3 of his gospel in verses 20 and 21, says, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Saving faith works to bring the light of the gospel to a dark world, and it affirms that God has done a saving work in us to the praise of his glorious grace. Are you justified in your proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ? That's my question. That, that's the big question of the text. Is, are you justified in proclaiming faith in Jesus Christ? See, it's not easy. It's not as easy as those who would call you up to sign a decision card might make you think. That's not an easy question to answer. But churches have often, and these days are often, answering that question very easily, aren't they? What they're saying most of the time is, you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. There you go. You're done. There's no call to Christian living. There's no call to a brand new life. There's no call to evidence that this confession is indeed true. And we back away from it because we don't want to sound like legalists, right? We don't sound like those who say we, there's something needed to be added to Jesus Christ crucified for us that saves us. That's not what we're saying at all. We're saying that if indeed it is true, 
If it is indeed true that your confession is real, it will be working. There will be evidence of it. It's not legalism at all, but it isn't easy. It's not meant to be easy. I bet you there's not one of you guys in here who can say that when you were converted to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden life got easier. That all of a sudden when you were converted to Jesus, you didn't sin anymore. That the wretched guy or wretched gal that you were just kind of died away completely. The next day you woke up and you had no struggles whatsoever. Everybody says that, right? No. Right? There's no way. That's ridiculous, right? But faith began a working in us, right? It began working in us. It began working against that sinful nature, right? As more and more of Christ we were taking on, that more and more that was being worked out in us. This saving faith, I ask, are you justified in the proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ? And I say this, that is, only if there's evidence that that faith is really at work in you. Back to James in verses 23 through 25. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Saving faith is completed, and it is confirmed by the faith that is working out in us. Faith that works confirms a confession of faith that is justified. That's a justifiable confession, right? If you make a confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and you live for yourself, what proof is there that you have been justified by grace? What proof is there? Has it worked? Does it work? Is it at work? That would be the big question. That, and that's what the world wants to know when they look at us Christians, isn't it? We make this claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. You put your faith and trust in Him. All true, right? They might ask us this, though. How's that working out for you? Has that changed your behavior at all? How does that help me live? And our faith that is at work, we're living it out, right? We have a living faith, a living hope, a living sacrifice is what we are called to. Saving faith is completed and it is confirmed by the faith working itself in us. And it confirms that our faith is justified. Now we understand this, that you will not work your way into favor with God by works done in righteousness. You see, you have been favored by God. That's what I want us to get. You have found favor with God, and you are justified in your confession that Jesus Christ saves as that faith is actively working in your life. Actively working out. So I would ask us this. We probably want to ponder this a little bit. What is faith? Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made was not made out of the things that are visible. Saving faith. A saving faith. A faith that works. What does it do? I want to tell you this, and this is what the church should be about. 
This is what the church, the gathering, what we're here for. As we gather together, as we live together, as we serve together, what do we do in our worship time together? What do we do in our fellowship together? Except this, we make the gospel that we proclaim visible to the world. We make the invisible gospel visible. That's faith at work, isn't it? That is a faith that works. It's more than a confession. It is the gospel at work. It's the gospel at work in us. It makes the gospel of Jesus Christ visible. Because what was the world going to say when we make these, pro these proclamations about the Word of God, about the gospel, about our faith, and they might look at you and think in their skeptical uh, mind, is this, oh, you believe in an invisible God? You read a book that was written centuries ago, and you're guided by a book, by words on a page. Well, if indeed you believe the words on this page, and it is at work in you, it is working out, then you have saving faith, and you have made the Word of God visible. You've made the Gospel of Jesus Christ visible. That this idea of how we live matters. How we serve, how we love, our works give a visible reality to the invisible faith that we proclaim. Our outward works give a visible reality to the invisible faith and trust that we have in God. I trust in God, but it's working itself out in me. I'll tell you the truth about Jesus, and I'll tell you this, it works. That's what we want to be proclaiming to the world, right? I have faith in Jesus Christ. These are the components. This is what the gospel is. This is the content of the gospel. I can explain the content of the gospel till I'm blue in the face. But the question on everybody's mind is, does it work? Does it work? And I say, yes, it does. And indeed, it does. It works. Let's look at verse 26. For as the body apart from the Spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. This is like, you remember when you took the SAT and they, they had these, this is to this as that is to that, right? And you had to try to guess what the other blank was. I always had a hard time with those things. But that's what this is. This is saying that the body is to the Spirit as faith is to work, to works. When the Spirit leaves the body, life has left the body. If works are absent from our confession of faith, our confession is incomplete. Our confession is unjustified. Our confession is useless. Our confession is dead. If you claim to have faith, but it's not evidently at work in you, your faith is incomplete, it is unjustified, it is useless, and it is dead. Faith really works. And so what James is ultimately getting at here for us is this, is that when tests and trials come, the genuineness of our faith is tested. And he tells us this is what the test is. Is your faith genuine? Is it working? Does it work? That's the question. When trials and stuff comes, does your faith work? And I bet a lot of you guys can have testimony to the fact when it got really, really hard in your lives that your faith and your trust in the Lord became clearer, more pointed. You fell on your knees, you fell on your face, and you knew that I can't trust in myself. 
that I can only trust in the Lord Jesus. Your faith got to work, didn't it? When we're at our, our toughest times. Faith needs to be evident at work. Our faith needs to be complete. We need to be able to justify that we are confession. Our confession is justified as faith is at work in us. Our faith is alive. It's not a dead faith, is it? It's not empty. Is it just empty words? Well, let us consider, brothers and sisters, how to stir up one another to love and good works. Know this, that these works don't save us. These works happen because we are saved. I want us to get that. The works that we do are done because we are saved, not to get saved. We've got to be clear on that. But if we are not working, faith isn't working. If it's not working itself, it isn't working. And we cannot suppose that our confession is genuine if it's not at work. That's what James is getting at. We need to suppose, if we want to suppose that our faith is genuine, it will be at work. Let us consider how to stir one up, uh, stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. It's kind of the first step of obedience in, in watching faith at work, isn't it? Gathering. Faithfully. Gathering with your brothers and sisters. That's faith at work. But encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus is coming soon, friends. We need to put our faith at work. Our faith needs to be working. Jesus is coming soon. And will He find us faithful? Will He find genuine believers? My brother-in-law, Richard, has said this to me many times over the years, is, is this phrase that should scare the heck out of us. When Jesus come back, comes back, will he find faith? Will he find faith? Think about that. When Jesus returns, he's looking for faith. Will he find it? Or will he find a whole bunch of confessors? And you know what he might say? Get away from me, I never knew you. If faith isn't at work, that's what he might say. I hope that scares the heck out of you because it scares me a bit. I think Jesus is coming and he's looking for faith. Is my faith really at work? Is your faith at work? Maybe a good thing for us to pause and think about as Jesus is surely coming soon, isn't he? I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's today, uh, but he's coming soon. <laughs> I'm hoping it's today.